All right, all right, all right. You're listening to the We're Talking Football podcast. I'm Weston. With me, as always, my right-hand man, Lou. Lou, tonight we dive uh, a little further into our NFL free agency period with our, our third edition this morning. Usually it's at night, but this morning we're going to focus in on the NFC and AFC East teams. I got to admit, though, this one feels a little different. The last two segments... We've been joined by a few special guests. Mm -hmm. They will be missed. Uh, but for this morning, I guess you are stuck with just me as we cover these teams. Um, reality is, though, since our last recording on Thursday night, nothing earth shattering has really taken place, by the way. Uh, really? Massive. I don't, I don't consider that earth shattering. We'll talk about it in a second. Um, in terms of trades or, or rumored signings, but it is that time of year where every superstar somehow gets linked to every single team and teams start convincing themselves, even if they're $40 million in the hole in the cap, like we can go sign that person. No problem. <laughs> they want to come play here, even though we won two games last year. Um, so I, I kind of tend to like shut off social media at this point in time. You see, you're wrong, Wes. And let me tell you why you're wrong. Um, this is the perfect. This is perfect time for social media watching. Social, basically, you're trying to figure out who's going with what team. So you got to see who's following who, who's taking what teams out of their social media profile and stuff like that. This is the time where th that's the inside information that you're really going to get and you're going to enjoy. So, so let's talk about those two items that you just mentioned. Then, right? <laughs> By the way, so I'm being 100 percent sarcastic. I hate people <laughs> who look at social uh, players, social media, and be like, oh, he just followed my favorite teams. You know, you know, starting cornerback. He's definitely coming here. Yeah, that well, ain't happening. <laughs> there was a player recently who did remove all headlines from his social media regarding his current team, and that would be quarterback Jalen Hurts of the Philadelphia Eagles. So I'm sure we'll whoa, dive whoa, into whoa, that whoa, in a little whoa. bit. But... Whoa, 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 whoa. I use the, the, use the term quarterback loosely when explain Jalen Hurts, please. All right. <laughs> Either way, becomes immediate speculation that Deshaun Watson's coming to Philadelphia, right? Like, that's literally how quickly that conversation turns. But there was one event that took place, and it was the trade um, between the Dallas Cowboys and the Cleveland Browns and Amari Cooper. Um vacating his spot in Dallas and heading to Cleveland. Um, we all saw the terminology you used on social media, so we won't repeat it again, but he's going from. Are you, are you, are you afraid to repeat it? Cause we'll get canceled. Yes. <laughs> okay. No canceling but, here. But it's extremely accurate though. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't use those words by the way. He's no. The one who used yes. Words. He used those words for sure. Um, and we won't repeat them, but in I, either way, I don't, know how be, I don't know how they're offensive. They're, no, they're not. Um, he's saying that Dak, Dak Prescott is not a good quarterback. He, his play reminds him of another quarterback. Yeah. How's that offensive? And he's going to a team with not another good quarterback. And it's just, you know, it's the way the cookie crumbles. But I'll, I, we'll, we'll tell our listeners go check out the latest posts on uh, WTF Pod NFL on uh, Instagram. You'll see the, the verbiage and terminology I used. Uh, and you just got to look at the Mari Cooper uh, post. Absolutely. So I think that will help explain everything. I do think, though, that Amari got moved for what I would equate to next to nothing. I think so, Cleveland won this trade. I mean, <clears throat> where Dallas wins is they alleviate the cap, right? And it was a significant number, and they got to make some moves. And, you know, I don't know. We'll talk about it in a second. But in any case, I mean, so getting Amari Cooper and giving up a sixth-round pick but Dallas only receiving a fifth and a sixth in return for 
I'll say a top 20 wide receiver in the NFL. That is not, that's not significant to give well, up. Well, let me, let me tell you something <clears throat> last year because of COVID and the salary cap going down, uh, everyone played these games, you know, just kick the money down, you know, for one year, let's see what happens in the following year. A lot of teams are paying for it. So Amari Cooper had a $20 million cap number, right? And I'm looking at teams right now, Weston, with cap space. And there's literally only 15 teams that have 20 plus million dollar cap space. So you're really limiting your market if you want someone else to eat that money. That's fifth. That's only half the NFL. Now, now you really take a deeper dive. How many of those teams really need, you know, Amari Cooper or a receiver? You're probably limiting it down now to five or, you know, five or six more. So now you're only 10 teams. So you're limited. So when you're calling these 10 teams, you got to take the best way you can get. And yep. I think that's what happened. I was shocked too, because basically it's just a pick swap in the fifth round pick. Yep. So, but. Um, I yeah, mean, you're no taking Mari Cooper for a fifth round pick. Like you'll win that. Like yeah, but that's no, a one win could, all no, no one could have afforded him because right? they have, they're all big, you know, the, you know, Mari Cooper wasn't on their uh, free agency big board and uh, they rather, you know, go out and get someone else. So. Yep. I agree. Totally. So. Probably a good segue, but before we jump in, again, just to remind all the listeners that rules of engagement, right? So we're going to begin with the, um, the NFC East. We'll migrate to the AFC East. Um, for each team, we're going to highlight cap space, identify positions of need, discuss some important free agents that are probably vacating the roster, um, some potential cap casualties, and eventually discuss a handful of, of free agent targets for each team, even if such moves even exist. So, Lou, I'll let you do the honors in the NFC East. In my notes, I, ha- I, I we didn't discuss this, but I have you listed to begin with the aforementioned Dallas Cowboys. Are you good to go? I'm good to go. Starting Big D. So when I first did this, and this is a basically a cautionary tale. Don't start this too soon. Uh, don't start doing your free agency uh, recap too soon, because when they first started doing this, uh, Dallas was twenty-three million dollars over the cap space, and they were ranked thirtieth. But they've made significant moves uh, this last past week. Uh, aforementioned uh, Mari Cooper trade, and we're going to talk about some other things. But now they're sitting at nineteen point six million dollars, which ranks them fourteenth in the league. So they did a good job clearing up some cap. I think there's more to come. To be honest with you, but before I get into that. It's just looking at this roster and doing the uh, Dallas's roster, you know, the top needs, uh, priority free agents. I got frustrated and I got frustrated because they squandered an opportunity. This roster was so talented and I feel like they squandered an opportunity to, to really, I don't know, to go for it all. Uh, I, I just feel like, you know, with that roster, they should have been closer to the Super Bowl than they were. And I can tell you right now, their team is not going to get better from a talent standpoint this year than it was last year. It's impossible with some of the moves they're making. And if you're a Dallas Cowboys fan, you have to be extremely frustrated knowing the fact that you guys are just trying to tread water right now. And I I think the reason being is Dallas is looking at all the competition in the NFC East. And I see that, hey, I think, you know, if we bring back some vital parts, we're still going to be real competitive and we still can win this division. There's no sense of urgency. You see what out, you see what's going on in the AFC West, right? Teams are loading up in the AFC West because it's just a copycat game out there. But Dallas looks in the NFC East is like, who's really scaring us. We don't need to get these, you know, superstar players. We don't need 
to dramatically improve our, our rosters. And probably they're using this year as a refresh so that next year when Sean Payton comes to Dallas, they'll be better offset, you know, they'll be better off to uh, put him in a better spot to succeed. So those are my two words. I'm sorry, Dallas fans. I know this is this year is going to be a little frustrating. Uh, you're probably looking at that nine-win season type stuff, like right in the middle of the pack. But anyways, I digress. Uh, top needs for the Dallas Cowboys. Believe it or not, a team that was once loaded at the wide receiver position, wide receiver is becoming quietly a big need. Their internal, the uh, interior offensive line, guard and center is a big need. Edge is going to be a big need. Linebacker is going to be a big need. Safety is going to be a big need. I'm going to tell you why later. So some priority free agents. Dalton Schultz already got tagged. Um, I think that was a good move because the tag wasn't so crazy for you know a decent tight end. And I like Dalton Schultz. I think he's uh, extremely uh, a complete type of fo- football player. He can block. He's a good uh, you know down the scene type of tight end. So I do like Schultz, and I thought they had to bring him back, knowing that they're going to lose a lot of playmakers. Now, speaking of those playmakers, let's look at the wide receiver position. You got Michael Gallup and Cedric Wilson. Depending on how you look at those, I think re-signing Gallup is paramount and huge for Dallas. The expectations out there, you know, they already traded away Mari Cooper. They can't afford to lose now Michael Gallup either. And I think that's that's he's almost a, a priority free agent. And the issue is this. Dallas's running game has deteriorated over the years. You add that and the fact that Mike McCarthy never loves to run the ball – you need top receivers and a top passing game to succeed in this Mike McCarthy uh, type of offense. You can't lose Gallup, Cooper, and Cedric Wilson. You can't lose all three because then you just have Schultz and C.D. Lamb. I know this is a big year if we were talking about the draft, you know, the wide receiver position, but I still think you need to bring back uh, Gallup if I'm the Dallas Cowboys. And they're trying to, but they're trying to lowball him first. Randy Gregory, 29-year-old edge. Uh, he was a, got the bus label when he first came out, came out of college for Dallas. But the last three years, he's been playing pretty well. Uh, he had 15 and a half sacks over the last three years. Really good complimentary pass rusher. Uh, Dallas might have to part ways with another edge rusher. So I find it hard, which I'll talk about a little, little bit, but I find it hard that they can afford to lose both Gregory and this other individual uh, as well. So I think he quietly becomes uh, uh, a priority signing too. And also look at their secondary, which last year they put together with uh, tape and, and twigs and stuff like that, but uh, with a bunch of one-year deals, I thought they actually found a lot of good value signings, almost uh, Cincinnati Bengal-esque. But it's going to look different, this, uh, the secondary this year and the, and the linebackers. All these players are up uh, or free agents. Keanu Neal, Malik Hooker, DeMonte Casey. All are free agents. The one they absolutely need to bring back, I think, is Jerron Curse. Uh, he greatly outplayed that veteran minimum, uh, minimum contract that he was on last year. Uh, he had 101 tackles, one sack, two interceptions. So I think he becomes a must-sign for Dallas as well. Uh, <clears throat> getting to the second level of that defense, Leighton Vander Esch. Um, I'm sorry, inconsistent play and the lingering neck injury is enough, I think, that scares Dallas away and makes him feel comfortable. Uh, parting with LVE. So I think he's gone as well. Connor Williams. Depends how you see, depends how, who you are as a person, half glass, half full, or glass, half empty type of guy. I think he's a solid guard, but I had bigger hype for Connor Williams coming out of Texas uh, that in that draft. So uh, looking at his numbers, yeah, he, he, he didn't do too bad. He had a 76.1 PFF grade, gave up one sack. He did have 15 penalties, though, and I feel like the reason being is because he tends to find himself getting overpowered a lot uh, 
from a you know stronger defensive interior defensive lineman. I don't think they have the ability to uh, re-sign him because of uh, the need for interior offensive linemen. So I think he, they uh, let him go as well. All right. So some possible cap casualties for Dallas. They already restructured Dak and Martin's uh, Zach Martin's deal. They free up twenty two million dollars. They traded away uh, Mari Cooper. Um, that that money is going to be two uh, two million dollars. That cap savings was eighteen million dollars. And there's rumblings now that they're looking to trade Lyle Collins because they have faith in Terrence Steele. So Lyle Collins is can either get traded or if not, if they can't find a trade partner by March twentieth, he's going to get released as well. It seems because they're looking to perhaps allocate some of those funds elsewhere. And like I said, they are high on Terrence Steele. Uh, we made a joke last year, especially during our fantasy segments, about Anthony Brown, the cornerback from Dallas. What was the joke, Weston? Do you remember? If, if you're looking, to, if you're looking to start a, a fancy wide receiver, what do you do? Target Anthony Brown. Whoever's Anthony Brown's lined up, I think they part with him. His dead money hit is going to be 1.5 million. Cap savings will be uh, five million. Now, I was talking about <clears throat> possibly losing two edge rushers, uh, Randy Gregory to free agency, and maybe Demarcus Lawrence. Uh, you know, to either a trade or a cut. He's 29 years old. Uh, if, they, if they cut him post June 1st, it's a dead money hit of $8 million, cap savings of $19 million. I was never a huge fan to Marcus Lawrence. He's a, he hasn't had a season with seven plus sacks since 2018. So I'm thinking with that cap hit of $27 million, I'm probably looking to part ways with him and try to get someone cheaper that can do almost the same thing as Lawrence. <clears throat> so some free agent targets. <clears throat> Over the years, I feel like the Cowboys have been like that more Bill Polian-esque type of, uh, you know, building of a team. You build through, you know, the draft. You, then you get, like, value lower signings. Uh, it's worked up until recently because I feel like last couple of drafts, they really haven't hit. And I know you're going to say, oh, Micah Parsons. But I'm talking about, like, Later in the rounds, Dallas was infamous. I think Dallas had the best scouting team out there. They were infamous for getting really good talent all throughout the draft, and it really just hasn't worked out for them. So I don't expect them to make any big splash signings. Like I said, I was joking around about this is like a uh, a year that they're going to probably you know retool and what have you. But yeah, I do think that's going to happen, and I do think they're doing that to set up Sean Payton for success. That what that was a half joke, half truth type of stuff. What do they say about jokes? There's always some type of truth to that, right? So <clears throat> look at some of the value signings. So we're going at the linebacker position because they are losing so much at that second level. We already discussed. Uh, for, I think Foyasad Aluakan, Alu, uh, your boy from Atlanta, 26-year-old linebacker, uh, would make perfect sense in that Dallas uh, um, in that Dallas uh, linebacking core. He has a history with Dan Quinn. He helps softens the blow of LVE and Keanu Neal leaving a free agency. But you're also hearing some rumblings that Dallas might want to get a little more flashy at the linebacker position. And Bobby Wagner is another popular name that's coming out there. Uh, he has experience in that cover three scheme, albeit, though, Dan Quinn has tweaked it to play more man. But Bobby Wagner is now becoming a, a, a popular name in Dallas. And I can honestly see him uh, uh, donning that, uh, you know, that Dallas Cowboys star at the side of his helmet. At the edge, if they look to, pa if they look to part ways with Randy Gregory or – uh, you know, uh, uh, Lawrence, Tank Lawrence, Dante Fowler. All right, twenty-seven year old edge. This is something exactly they did. They did this with Robert Quinn. They brought him in when he was kind of he came off like a subpar, you know, year. 
So Dante Fowler is a is another uh, Dan Quinn cast off I can picture being brought in to either supplement, uh, you know, De, uh, Demarcus Lawrence or you know perhaps provide them some juice at the edge position. He had five sacks last year, and like I said, I think he can help fill the void at that edge presence for the Dallas Cowboys at the safety position. They look for like safeties that play like linebackers, and I think Jabril Peppers, who's 26 years old. Uh, would be a good fit for the Dallas Cowboys. You take it from division rival first and foremost, right? He is a versatile defensive back, and he's pretty good at pressuring the quarterback. Last year, Dan Quinn kind of surprised us in the scheme. It wasn't that soft cover three that we all thought was going to be. He brought a lot more blitzes than we anticipated. So Peppers, I think, would fit real well in there. Um, so why Peppers? Because he's coming off an ACL injury, and he's probably going to be looking for a one-year deal, prove it deal, because he doesn't, because he doesn't, he just wants to, you know, reestablish his value for the following year. So I think that's a, a you know, great fit, kind of like what they did with Malik Hooker. It didn't really work out with Malik Hooker, but maybe they have a better success. And even though it didn't work out with Malik Hooker, how much of a, uh, you know, a risk was that? They didn't take on that much risk there. And wide receiver, depending on, like I said, who leaves in free agency, who gets cut, and, and things of that nature, that becomes a need. Now they could, they, they're probably going to look towards the draft, but there are some names I think can fit that Dallas mold uh, that they can kick the tires on: a Jamison Crowder, a Will Fuller, Russell Gage, Zay Jones. They all fill that complementary role and not going to cost too much to bring in for Dallas. So those are some names I think they target, you know, at the skill position. I really would like Will Fuller. I think, you know me, I'm not high on Will Fuller. You're not high on Will Fuller. But I think like a flyer on Will Fuller with a quarterback who's actually capable of pushing the ball down the field uh, might be interesting. Like he hasn't been healthy and he's fluttered in Miami, but we know all the reasons behind that. But like, you know, when, when he had his most success, yes, it was opposite uh, – DeAndre Hopkins, but with a quarterback who could push the ball down the field and Deshaun Watson, right? Like Dak is plenty capable. And I think Will Fuller would be, I mean, even if you get 10 games out of them, like a, a threat that you have to consider and opposite of someone like CD lamb, like that's, it's pretty formidable. Um, I agree with your, the earliest of your sentiment about the Dallas Cowboys that they look around the end. I don't think they're going to be super, super aggressive. Um, I think they look around the NFC East and say, we can win this division as is. And Cowboy fans don't want to hear that because they're like another year gone. And like, it, it almost becomes frustrating as a friend, like go like ask the Green Bay Packer fans. Like, yeah, cool. We win the North every single year, but that just gets our hopes up that it's our year when we win 13 games. Like a lot of, I mean, dude, going into the playoffs last year, Dallas looked okay. But what did every pundit say? They're the Dallas Cowboys. They'll find a way to choke this out, and they choked it out. Um, see, as a, see, as a fan, if, if I'm a Dallas Cowboys fan, I live, you know, I currently live by the mantra that complacency is the enemy of progress. And yep. this is being a complacent. Uh, how deep, by the way? How deep is that? Right? That's pretty deep, right that's, there. Right? Just the most philosophical <laughs> thing I think I've ever heard you say. <laughs> but uh, all kidding aside, uh, if I'm if I'm a Cowboys fan, that's exactly why I'm pissed off. That uh, it's the complacency aspect, knowing that. Division's not too hard. We're, you know, we're trying to retool, you know, stuff like that. Last year was the year. Uh, this is the second time they're wasting a Dak window. The first time was on his rookie contract. And they're losing Amari Cooper. They could possibly lose a Michael Gallup, all because of their 
you know, long in the tooth running back who's making $18 million this year and they can't get out of that contract whatsoever. So yeah. they're, they're losing those type of players for uh, a Zeke Elliott. I think what's most frustrating if I'm a Cowboys fan is you did mention that a second Dak window. So they wasted the, the rookie window and yeah, he signed a really, really big contract. I forget what he is against the cap right now, but I feel like it's something like, what was he right now? Like it's sub $20 million, right? Which is not significant for a upper tier quarterback next year. That number is $49 million against the cap. Yeah. He's $19 million against 19.7. Yeah. Next year. year it's $49 million against the cap. And why I'm bringing this up is you're a Yankee fan. Please think of, me. think of the, the years <laughs> under the late George Steinbrenner. Jerry Jones is of that mold, like pushing the chips all in and go. And I know it's different in the NFL when you have a salary cap, but I would, I mean, that for years when we were growing up, he was the most aggressive owner and general manager that I can imagine. Like there's a reason why he's retained the Cowboys fan base because he'll go get play. Like he'll go do it. Like he's not afraid to do it. They changed their philosophy when the Suns got involved though. Yeah. Well, that, that happened to the Steinbrenners, right? Like once Hank took over versus George, like it's more of a just, business now. Yeah. Things look different. It's a very profitable business for both teams. I mean, they own their own networks and things of that nature. Right. And like, but I think that's what's disappointing is like when you listen to Jerry talk, he's like, like all this guy wants to do is win. And it's one of the reasons why I love Jerry Jones. I, I love that he has no filter. I love he says what he wants to say. I love that his employees are constantly on edge because that's what a good owner and general manager should do is to push you. I don't, Jerry Jones doesn't strike me as somebody who's complacent. Everybody else around him feels very complacent. And I do think this year is the year. You hear that? What is that coming from? Okay, you don't hear it, so that's fine. Um, my computer's making noises of some sort, and something's playing. This is the second, uh, second show. Uh, I know. Week. I don't know. But, dude, I have so many windows up, I have no idea where it's even coming from. <laughs> so, And if I hit mute, it's just going to mute all of us. But, like, they're wasting time, right? And I do think this year is the year that I, I do think there's a sentiment of, yeah, let's just get through this year. We win a division. We'll be fine. We probably might not compete, but – it's gonna 100% be the last year of Mike McCarthy's reign in Dallas. Like I, I they could win the Super Bowl, and I'm convinced he's gone. You know what? Uh, we'll you know what? We'll a, a match. You know, Cowboys fans do not want to hear this. I, nor do I think it will happen. But still, you know what? We'll a match under Dallas Cowboys. This might be a necessary evil for uh, Dallas Cowboy fans. Eagles training for uh, Deshaun Watson. Think about it. Yeah. Provides that urgency. Oh no, no, we're not playing second fiddle. So that might be a necessary evil. You know what do people? What do te- what do great businesses do? They promote competition, for, so yeah. that you know people. So it becomes uh, so by promoting competition, you're basically trying to increase production. That's exactly what what would happen. You're promoting competition within that division, and then Dallas will not want to feel like the fat you know the fat kid left out during you know dodgeball. Dude, it's so true. I would use a, an old Jim Harbaugh quote that almost got so stale, but he would say it at like every press conference in training camp, iron sharpens iron, right? Like that's just what competition breeds and it's going to, it's going to make you have to step up your game. All right. This is not the Dallas Cowboys show. So let's, let's move on. Cause we still have seven other teams to get through in a, in a short window here. So let's, let's progress forward. I'm going to, I'm going to dive in with the G men, the New York football giants. <coughs> They are negative 3.7 million in cap space right now. Giant fans, and we know plenty of them. My entire family, I'm talking to you. 
Let's be very clear about what's going on here right now. They finished four and thirteen last year, which was good enough for last place in the NFC East. This roster is in a lot of trouble. The real win for the Giant fans right now, and like I know it's way too early in a in a football year to consider this a win, but this is the real win. Was the termination of Joe, Joe Judge and bringing in a very solid coaching staff head by Brian Dable but also bringing a defensive coordinator like Wink Martindale, who's had nothing but success in the NFL, an offensive coordinator like Mike Kafka, who's been around great offenses, most namely in Kansas City, um, and is probably ready for you know his opportunity. To me, these are the biggest moves and the biggest wins that you're going to have in free agency, and it's going to help you build for the future. Dable doesn't strike me as like, the Giants kind of got out of their rhythm, right? Like a couple of years where it was like coach for two years, coach for two years, coach for two years. Coach bad like, coaches. Yeah, Mac like, yeah, McAdoodle <laughs> and then Judge. Joe Judge. Um, but with those things, like that's not Giant-esque, right? Like they usually give somebody time. And the, and the problem is every time you change – they made the right move every time trying to get a new coach, just wasn't the right coach. But you can't ever build a regime. Coaches – have certain offenses, certain defenses, certain players that they like, certain mantras they're trying to build. And when you're recycling that every two years, it, there's no place for consistency. And that's been the biggest thorn um, in the Giants side, I feel like. I feel, um, like they finally, I feel like for Giants fans, don't mean to interrupt, but I feel like for Giants fans, your biggest moves this year is not going to be via your agency or even the draft. It's going to be getting the right coaching there. I think you, you have yeah. to look at that as a win. The, the, finally – the coaches are there. Yeah. So and I think that's even, the biggest move for them. Even in the draft. And they have picks, man. Like, I mean, they got two in the first round, two very early. Uh, but they they will start to get players that fit the mold of this regime, right? So they might not be impact year one. But this is all about, like, this is a rebuild of sorts, right? And it's not going to feel like – it should feel like that this year because – I just think they should expect a static year, right? Like some incremental changes, but to me next year will be the huge shift in personnel for this team. Like they're right now, this entire team is just loaded with players from two former regimes that mm -hmm. to me don't fit what this team's going to do. And you can only overhaul so much in a single season. Yeah. So, I think if you're a Giants fan too, you have to understand that uh, basically I kind of lost lost my train of thought. Never mind. Sorry. Early in the morning, haven't had 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 my cu cup of coffee. I was going somewhere impactful for that, and I kind of just dropped the ball on there. Kind of like uh, so, Kenny Galladay. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we'll talk about him in a minute here. So, top needs for this team: they need a tight end. This might be controversial. They need a running back. Uh, they need help in the at D tackle, so the interior defensive line, linebacker, offensive line, and eventually the quarterback. But that's not going to happen this year, Giant fans. Like you're, you're going to get another year with Daniel Jones. What this regime is going to do is they're going to fuel the roster, and they're going to find ten to fifteen guys throughout the course of this year that are going to be part of this regime moving forward. I mean, they have thirty-eight total free agents. That's actually a lot, right? Mm -hmm. And and I don't think they're going to bring many of those names back. Right? Why would they're you bring back players that are from a losing squad? Like, no, I mean. They have a couple that I think are worthy of retaining, but they probably won't be able to just even given, you know, the cap situation, although they're not like dire. They have, and I'll talk about this in a second, but they're still under, the, they're still over the cap right now um, with 
38 total free agents, i.e. meaning there's still a, a ways to go to fill out this roster. But I, I what I always see in my time is finding player or co new coaches find players from scrap heaps that have been part of their teams in the past mm -hmm. to help build, bolster that identity. So Giants, you're going to have some Giant fans, you're going to have some new faces and new names, but they're not going to be impact players. They're, they're going to be about building a culture, um, understanding offensive schemes, understanding defensive schemes to help bring the new, the, the superstars that you might have and the new rookie faces up to speed as quick as possible. Um, but there, I think there's a couple of names that, like I said, that I don't think they they want to lose. So some of those impactful free agents, you just mentioned this individual, safety Jabril Peppers. Still only 26. I know he only played in six games last year. He's serviceable, but he's he's playing out of place. And I do love your link to Dallas in that Dan Quinn defense because I think this guy's more impactful closer to the line of scrimmage. He's kind of an anomaly. He's not like a, a great center fielder, but he is tremendous addition to special teams in the return game mm -hmm. uh, on all forms. So I just feel like he's somebody that maybe coming off that injury, you can retain him, and his market. He's going to be in demand, but his price tag is not going to be super high. So there's a, there's an opportunity there, but they're going to have to make decisions on like what, what's the trade off. Cause you, they, they might have to, again, let go of a, a player or two um, to be able to retain him like Logan Ryan or something like that. Who's aging might be a name. And Brian Dabble has been with an organization that do, that really um, puts emphasis on the back end of that defense, in particular yeah. the safeties, the Micah Hyde, Jordan Poyer type. So he's I'm not sure if he's going to try to emulate that, but just keep that in mind. They might want to bring him back, but maybe he's just not fit for the wink defense. So yeah, I, I think that there there lies the rub, the wink defense, right? Like you you bring a guy in like wink. You're like, go do your thing, dude. Go find the players you need to. Like, I'm I'm going to focus on this offense and get mm -hmm. this team humming a little bit. But I have surveyed a lot. You you know, I'm, I'm a giant season ticket holder, right? So, like, I know plenty of giant fans. And I actually asked them about free agents they would want to bring back, not just my my look at it. A name that came up was in, at the interior defensive line was Austin Johnson, yes. 28 years old. He played, like, roughly 60% of the snaps. Good run stuffer, mm -hmm. big body guy, former second round pick of the Tennessee Titans. Um, it's not going to cost you an arm and a leg, and I, I feel like he's a, a name that that people covet. Another one, Edge Lorenzo Carter, twenty seven year old edge rusher. I mean, edge rushers are a commodity in this league. I don't think he's quite turned the corner. You know how I think he turns the corner? Getting taught under Wink Martindale, who wants to get after the quarterback. That's going to matter. I mean, this guy's a an uber athlete, man. You know what I mean? And I know they have a couple like other, like Aziz Ojolari and some other names that kind of are in a similar vein and similar build. Soon, Kevion Thibodeau. Like, yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> but I, I think you, this guy, I think you need to retain this guy. Like, I just, I just feel like he's, he's got, he's got the op, he will now have that opportunity under a new defensive regime to be utilized correctly. And then the last one actually surprised me. And this came from multiple individuals. And I think you and I would disagree, but I gave I gave the audience an opportunity to speak on this one. Linebacker Jalen Smith. So he's still only 27. He has clearly not lived up to his bill billing, maybe outside of his like actual rookie year, not his redshirt year, but his like actual like first year he got he got burned. 
But I think a lot of G-Men fans are just like, they like this guy. They think he can finally catch a groove of some sorts, you know, under that wink defense. Do they let him like where they'll get stout on the defensive line? I mean, he's still an athlete. Like, do they let him fly to the football? So I think they're they're looking at this with rose colored glasses. I but, think they're falling in love with the name. <laughs> yeah, but but they're also thin at linebacker. You know what I mean? Like, and he's not going to cost an arm and a leg. I mean, Dallas is still eating a lot of his cap number right now, right? So he can be retained um, cheaply. But I just I don't know. I, it, it didn't come from me. It came from multiple people. And I was like, I found that to be interesting because if it was you and I just making this list, I would not prioritize uh, Jalen Smith in, in any capacity. I just, Hey, they watch with a, a closer eye than I do. They know what's on that roster. Like maybe there's some truth to this. So those are the, those are the four. I think everybody else, they, they let go. Honestly, like again, new regime cap casualties, this team has more work to do with restructuring than actual cuts. So, Lou, I got some facts for you. 20% of their cap, so one-fifth of their entire cap, is tied up at the wide receiver position. And Kenny they all suck. <laughs> yeah, Kenny Galladay accounts for 11% of that. With his production last season, how can you have this guy coming into this year making $21.1 million? Like you can't, you need to approach him uh, with a restructure. And I know, I listen, I know he was your prize acquisition last year in free agency. It made sense. He was a, he was a deep ball threat. Yep. Daniel Jones was good at throwing the deep ball. I mean, it's like one plus one, but this time it doesn't equal, you know, two. Yeah. Be like, Hey dude, you want to be a thousand yard receiver? Go get a thousand yards. I'll throw bonuses at you all day long. Right. So like they're going to have to get cute here. Here's another fun fact. Nearly 26% of their cap. So a quarter of their more than a quarter of their cap is tied up at the cornerback position north of 24% of that is spread out across James Bradbury, Adoree Jackson, and Logan Ryan. Those three equate to nearly $50 million against the cap this year. Bradbury might get moved. You've, you've heard this there's come no, up. This there's is, there's no might. There's no might. He's, he's going to get cut or traded. I, so I don't think it, so I'll talk about it in a second. Jackson's going to have to get restructured again. Another prize acquisition last year under this other regime. Um, and they're also going to need to rework Leonard Williams contract. I know they just re-signed it, but that's 27 million this season, dude, between like, you're talking about maybe seven players. You're North of a hundred million dollars. Like that's crazy. Um, this is, this is the struggles that Dayball and company are going to be faced with. Um, here's another note. Don't be surprised if Saquon has moved this year. Don't be. How that, for what? I mean, no, one's a, no, one's gonna, no one's gonna get a fourth rounder for that. We'll see, man. Desperate times call for desperate measures. I mean, let's call it what it is. Like Saquon's lack of production is not just on Saquon. It's not just on injuries. This offensive line has been <laughs> abysmal. There is no other threat on the offense. So you just zone in on 26 and you take them out of the game. Um, you put them in where there's a fair shake and a fair balance, things might look a little bit different, but that 7.2 number is looming large and it doesn't match like production. And then you get nothing for him next year because you didn't, you didn't option him out. He's a free agent. You're not going to go after for, for him. So we talked about it before we logged in. Sometimes, sometimes you got to get what you can get. Or we talked about with the Amari thing, right? So some of those cap casualties back to the wide receiver position, this might not be popular. But Sterling Shepard with a post June one, that's eight and a half million dollars in savings. Wide receiver Darius Slayton 
could be another two and a half million dollar savings. Those are the only two like obvious based on the structure of the contract. I For thought me, it came out that Shepard is in the middle or is about to restructure his contract. Yeah, but it still hasn't happened, right? And, and free agency is a, a sneeze away from actually <laughs> opening up. Exactly. Uh, James Bradbury. This is what I think is the more realistic scenario because I don't think anybody trading for him wants to acquire that contract either, right? Um, if you if they can't find a trade partner because you got to get decent compensation for, for James Bradbury, like he's a very talented cornerback in the NFL, just played on a bad defense that had no offense, so like it just it's tough to hold him accountable for 2021's performance. But depending upon the designation, whether it's Pre-June 1, post-June 1, it's anywhere between 12 to $13.5 million savings. But it's kind of a scenario for me that feels like you cut him to get it off the cap and then work with him to re-sign a little bit, something a little bit more friendly. Now, that takes two to tango. That's not going to uh, work. Yeah, he's going to he, – if you're, if you're James Bradbury, why are you coming back to the Giants? And when you can go anywhere else, maybe the, you're getting your money regardless of cut it or traded. So then yep. you can actually pick, you know, handpick the team. So well, it, it all depends on again, it depends on the player, depends on the agent, depends on the relationships, right? Like this is a business, they know it's a business. And sometimes it's like, look, I gotta do this to free it up. I can probably sign you to a similar contract. I just need to push it out. Like you can't be this cap hit. So you it all depends. Push out the the that, that money on a 29-year-old uh cornerback. No, like, I wanna so no, you're probably right. So target free agents, uh, tight end I mentioned before. A name that I love for the Giants, considering that Kyle Rudolph, Evan Ingram, and Caden Smith are all gone. Like, literally, I can't name. They have two tight ends. I don't even know who these people are on their roster. Hayden Hurst, I feel like, is could be a tremendous addition to this offense. You know what Dable has done in Buffalo, turning Dawson Knox into, like, an all-world tight end. Hayden Hurst is plenty capable. He's an efficient pass catcher. Um, I think – Dable can get the most out of them. A name that probably won't cost you a ton in a very thin tight end market right now. Edge rusher, Hassan Reddick. Uh, Martindale loves to get after the quarterback. Reddick's going to be in high demand, though. So he's probably pricing himself out of this equation. But they're going to, they're going to, you have to sniff, man. You have to, you have to take a, a look at it. A name that popped up to me um, that I, I found interesting was we were talking about interior defensive line. Somebody like Harrison Phillips. So there's been talks that he, right? Like, so Phillips, again, not a household name, but sometimes when the coaching <laughs> changes, players often follow suit. And he's been in Buffalo with Dable. He fits the mold of what they'd look to add to that interior defensive line, stops to run really well. Um, so if they can't bring back their guys, I just think that's a name to, to keep an eye out. Linebacker we talked about. Jayon Brown, right? Like if you look at the, the off-the-ball linebacker market, He's not going to command as much as some of these other other names and could be somebody um, that they they bring in um, that, again, still relatively young, might be there for a year or two uh, of this rebuild. And then offensive line is the most glaring need. If we talked about the draft, which we don't, this is where the Giants are going to load up. They're linked to a plethora of offensive linemen. They have plenty of picks. Get young, get cheap. Um, there's no doubt in my mind they don't steal one of those top offensive linemen you know, with their first, maybe second pick because they're really close to each other. Um, so right there, you're getting a, a bolster. I don't mean, I can't even peg them with a name because of the big names. They're they're not in the market for them because they can't afford them. Again, Giant fans, you're not going to be super aggressive in free agency. This year is about the draft. It's about the changing of the guard. Next year is going to where you're going to see this team um, really kind of let the reins go and let Dable go get their guys. 
So that's yeah. it. All right. Yeah. I mean, Giants, like I said, I think if you're, I remember what I was going to say before, before I had that brain fart. I think what Giants fans, you have to realize, like we said, the biggest acquisition this year is your coaching and, and your in general management. And what you're looking for is not wins this year. You're looking for competitiveness. You're looking that, are you, I, I'm jokingly saying this, but kind of telling the truth too. Can you guys come close to covering a spread? type stuff like do you see fight within your team uh you're not good enough from a talent standpoint to you know really make a threat you know or a run at this division or even the conference but are you competitive are you losing close games and just this is a teaching point or are you completely lost so i think what you're looking for is just that competitiveness nature and making sure that like they're making the right moves yeah, I'm looking for competence, right? Like, Giant fans are going to hate this comparison, but you need to look and feel like the Detroit Lions last year. I know the Detroit Lions only won two games, but if the ball bounces a different way in a couple of these games, those two wins are five, six, seven wins. Like, the Lions were not uncompetitive. Yeah, you are such a Lions fan. I'm just saying, dude. Like, I mean, tell me, tell me I'm wrong. Tell me, tell me where I'm wrong. Like they smacked the Arizona Cardinals in the mouth and the Arizona Cardinals at the time were the hottest team in the NFL, you know, that, that Pittsburgh game. I mean, they basically, yeah. Like, I mean, they lost on the longest field goal in NFL history. Like, (laughs) you know, that the Steelers game going into overtime, they had three opportunities to win that game in overtime and couldn't get out of their own way, but they've been in games. Like I said, if the ball bounces a different way, you know, it, you're you're not looking the lines aren't picking in the top five they're not picking maybe not even in the top seven right like it's just different and that's what you're hoping for for the giants and then you're also secretly hoping that you're picking in the top five next year because then you get to add quality players this year and quality players next year as well i do, All right. I do think there's one thing you missed out i think they are going to bring competition in for daniel jones he shows that a he's subpar from a performance standpoint and b he can't stay on the field jokingly say I his name has been linked to the uh, New York Giants Mitchell Jabisky I think that will bring competition and Jones does beat him out and gets hurt they're not completely lost with like a Mike Lennon behind the center yeah well I, so Trubisky Mario those guys names aren't lost on me um Don't forget, Trubisky was just in Buffalo though yeah 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 totally that's a you can draw a direct line but where um I have pause for concern for that is like when I look at the QB market like right now and other teams that need I, I just think these guys are gonna have they're gonna get lofty paychecks and lofty opportunities that might not make them viable this year for the New York Giants. Desperation is a stinky cologne. Yes, it is, man. <laughs> it sure is. All right, Philadelphia Eagles. Let's let's, <laughs> let's let's forward forward. Yep. Looking at this, uh, looking at this Eagles roster and what they have, knowing what they have in the draft, I was very confused by this team because. I'm not sure if they're a team that's trying to build sustainable and for the future or if they feel like they can win now. So I'm starting to get to the mold that like, I think they smell blood in the water with all this Dallas news coming out and maybe with the, you know, I mean, I came at uh, the commanders now. I, I, I almost said the Redskins. Wow. I, I almost said uh, the football me. team uh, commanders getting when, so maybe they thought they, they, they like, you know what? Let's make a run for this division because Dallas isn't doing anything. The, the, the Giants are in a complete re- rebuild, and you know the Commanders just brought in Carson Wentz. So I feel like th- their mentality could be there's blood in the water, so let's go get it. But then looking at what they have, I don't know. But so their cap space that they currently have is 17 million dollars. It ranks them 16th in the league, so dead right in the middle. 
their top needs are wide receiver. The Jalen Rager pick did not you know, come to fruition whatsoever. So they have no one outside of Devonta Smith, and you need someone to help uh, draw the uh, deep uh, ball attention away from Devonta Smith. They need uh, a guard. They always need a linebacker ever since I can remember, uh, you know, uh, but they never seem to address it. Uh, safety and cornerback. And depending who you ask, like if you're asking me, they also need a quarterback, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, priority free agents. They just tied up Jason Kelsey. He's a 34 year old center played real well last year. Only allowed one sack, four penalties had 84.4 uh, pro football focus grade. Uh, they gave him a one-year, $14 million deal. Uh, he's still one of the best centers out there in the league. So uh, he wasn't sure if he was going to retire or not, but they just, he decided to come back, and that was a big win, um, whoever they bring under center uh, of the Eagles. Derek Barnett, polarizing name. He's a 25-year-old edge rusher. Never lived up to his uh, you know, the hype coming out of Tennessee. Uh, he averages four sacks a year. I'm not saying he's bad, but certainly with the Eagles tying up Josh Sweat and Barnett's limited ceiling. I, I think they probably move on from him and try to get uh, better at the edge position. All right. So last year they brought in a couple uh, veterans on cheap one-year deals. And I felt like they were doing that just to feel like a, a secondary in the back end. So uh, they, those one-year deals are now expired and they're coming, you know, they're all available for free agency. Anthony Harris, 30 year old safety, Rodney McLeod, uh, 31-year-old safety. Steven Nelson, 29-year-old cornerback. I actually don't think they bring any of those back, and I'm gonna, I'll tell you why a little later. Uh, but, yeah, I think those are some uh, uh, names that they're going to probably let go. So some possible cap casualties. Looking at the the roster, it's just limited who they can cut. I think it's like you, you kind of were saying with the Giants, this is more of a restructure type of uh, you know scenario. Uh, Darius Slay, Javon Hargrave, uh, Lane Johnson, Brandon Ga- uh, Graham are all possible candidates when it comes to the restructuring process. And I think they will look to one, if not more, uh, of those individuals to help free up some additional cap. <clears throat> now, if you put a gun to my head about talking about who they're going to cut, cut, J.J. Arcega, Whiteside, the Raven Clark, Rich Lovato or all cut candidates that can save him just a couple million dollars, nothing crazy. But keep an eye out. You keep on hearing this about the Fletcher Cox and Fletcher Cox trade. They flirted with this last year, and there's rumblings this year. Frankly, <clears throat> they're not doing this to save money because it, it'll be a dead money hit of $12.8 million by cap savings of $2.1 million. They're doing this to acquire additional draft capital. For what? Maybe to get younger. Maybe to get cheaper in the future. Or there has been a certain quarter, quarterback that just got uh, free of all ch- criminal charges on Friday. I don't know. So uh, look for them to possibly trade uh, Fletcher Cox. Usually for the second year in a row when there's smoke, there's fire. This happened last year, too, with the Chicago Bears we alluded to on our last show. There's rumors of little smoke that, hey, the Bear, you know, the Chargers checked in on the Bears last year about Khalil Mack. Uh, and now they traded it for him this year. So I just had to get my Khalil Mack uh, fix in for the day, by the way. So <laughs> sorry, I'm, I'm still basking in that. Uh, so if this is the second time that you know these rumors are being floated out there, I think there's more substance than we probably think. Free agent targets, like I said, I don't know what to make of this team because either they're going to be really active because they smell blood in the water and they're going to be like, you know what? We do have three picks in the top 20. Let's just add talent that way. So I don't know if they're going to look to try to, you know, uh, package those pack uh, those those picks up for improvement in quarterback play, but 
All right, so let's say they don't do that. Let's say they just keep those picks. So we're under the assumption that they're not going to put Deshaun Watson. I think I read something that Deshaun Watson won't trade, uh, won't waive his no trade clause to go to Philadelphia. I don't blame him. I wouldn't want to be in Philadelphia either. Yes, I'm a Philly hater, so sorry. But cornerback position. Philly usually targets veteran cornerbacks and bigger names. So if they're going to splurge, it's going to be at the back end of the cornerback position. Look who they've acquired before. Slay, Nandi Asimwa, just to name a couple of names. So those, so they're not uh, total strangers when it comes to adding big cornerback names. And the name that keeps on sticking out to me that I feel like we haven't really talked too much during our preview show is Carlton Davis. He's a physical cornerback that can play opposite of Slay, and he'd be a long-term answer in their secondary in their man, in their man scheme. <clears throat> so let's say – they don't go that route. Uh, they are losing their two starting safeties, and they, you know, they went their cheap route last year. Their safeties were fine, but maybe they're not looking for fine safety play anymore. Maybe they're looking for difference makers and, and, and uh, bigger playmakers. Marcus Williams is a name to, uh, I think to watch out there in Philadelphia to provide a little more uh, in the turnover aspect of that defense. Uh, <clears throat> but this is where I really think they probably put most of their chips in the wide receiver market. And it was a once robust wide receiver market is now thinning like uh, you're in my hair right now. So uh, they have no one outside of Smith. Uh, they have Smith is a fantastic deep ball guy, but I think it's almost a foregone conclusion. I haven't read anything or anything like that, but the Allen Robinson ends up in Philadelphia. He's a reliable possession wide receiver that they lack to go along with that burner and Smith. So I think Allen Robinson makes way too much sense in Philadelphia. And I think he goes to the city of brotherly love. Now at the edge position, they have sweat. They just locked up for a couple of years. They have Graham, Brandon Graham, but he's 33 years old and he's going to be too costly to cut. So I think they're going to bolster their edge position, but they're going to be strategic about it. And a name that looking at all the free agents available, a name that pops up to me, I think will be a perfect fit for Philadelphia is Arden Key. He's 25 years old. He flashed for San Francisco last year with six and a half sacks. That would be a nice rotation, him, Graham, and Sweat. What the Eagles can basically say is we can provide you more playing time and more money than you're currently getting right now. And I think uh, that would be an ideal fit for Arden Key and the Philadelphia Eagles. I really don't have much to add about the Philadelphia Eagles, to be blatantly honest with you. I think second year with Nick Sirianni, um, a lot of retooling that still needs to go. I think the only thing... But they made the playoffs last year. Yeah, no, so but... Maybe, maybe they think they're closer than they are. That's why I don't know. I don't know who they identify with. You know, Do they identify as a team that's... We're still a year or so away. Let's build this you know, strategically and you know, more of like the, the tortoise approach. Or they're like, hey... Let's throw some, you know, gasoline on this fire and let's see if we can take this. I, I do find Sirianni to be a, a pretty bright individual. I know we like totally attacked him to start the offseason last year. Oh, yeah. Like where did this guy come from? And he's he's built a lot of credibility with me. And I think he's intelligent yeah. enough to know that they're still a year or two away and things need to be ironed out. Like, yeah, they they can sniff the playoffs again next year. Um, but are they going to compete? you know, like in the playoffs, like to me, when you talk about trying to move on from Fletcher Cox and to 
get picks and things because that's gonna i mean dude you're gonna eat a lot of money no matter how you cut it right they can kind of afford it but like i said maybe they're doing this to acquire yeah which to me is like I mean, say, to... you ready let's say they give up right because whoever gets fletcher cox is gonna get him for dirt cheap right let's say they yeah. give the three first round picks this year and another first round pick next year for Deshaun Watson, right? Let's just say yeah, that. they got to recoup. They got to recoup. Yeah, that is a perfect way. You're going to give. You're going to trade yeah. a, a, 30, a 31 year old defensive lineman uh, for a first round pick. Yeah, and but both of the signal we're not there yet, right? Like, hey, I got to go get Deshaun. We're not there yet. Um, I'm going to give up Fletcher Cox. Like, it's even if you're thinking about moving on from him to recoup for next year, like still signifies that I'm not there yet. Like this team is better with Fletcher Cox on it. They are worse off without Fletcher Cox on that defense, right? Like he's a leader. He's still a baller. So again, Eagles are in good shape. And when I look across, when I look at big D, I'm like, I can still compete here, right? Like the giants aren't necessarily a threat um, coming into this year. So there's still a path to the playoffs, but I do still think they're, uh, a couple wide receivers, a couple pieces on defense um, away. So, so we'll see. That's all. That's all I have to add about the Eagles. I, I don't. I don't want to spend a lot of time here. I want to get moving because we're we're running long and on the clock already. Okay. So let's get into the Washington Commanders. I had to practice that in the mirror like ten I, times. I know. I started. know. It's the worst name. It's it's literally the worst name. They should have said the Washington Football Team. That was growing on people, and it's like, yeah, dude, you're the football team. Like that works. So cap room five point eight million in cap space. Honestly, everyone thought last season that Washington had every opportunity to take the division again. I was one of them. Yep. Clearly, that did not pan out. Uh, the offense struggled mightily, and the defense played drastically different than expectations based on their performance in 2020 and even some of the names that they brought in. Like, we thought this team was ascending, not descending. There's reasons for it. First move, check the box, right? They went in and brought in the quarterback that they were hoping they brought in last season to compete with Ryan Fitzpatrick, but they brought in Carson Wentz. I'll talk about this more, so don't don't comment. I'm not saying that's like box check for the next 10 years, exactly. But the first thing they're going to need to do is restructure that contract as well because that's a $28 million cap hit. Restructure, you're looking at getting $14, 18000000 million back to go play with um, and be a little bit aggressive. Can I say one thing? His cap hit is so, $28 million. It's actually, I think, $2 million more than uh, – uh, Khalil Mack and uh, Justin Herbert's cap hit combined. Fine, so yeah. that, that, that just goes to show you how crazy this Carson Wentz fiasco is still going. But that also goes into that Justin Herbert's on a rookie quarterback contract. That's the True. biggest difference. Wentz is on his like second extension pretty much at this point. Yeah. Um, top needs, wide receiver, offensive line, middle linebacker, and safety. They have 39 total free agents. This is going to sound a little crazy because that number is high too, but the commanders aren't in as bad a shape as last year might indicate. Last year, they brought in Fitzpatrick to play quarterback, right? He played one game, attempted six passes. So they were Taylor Heineke and beyond from there. That's not the way they saw that cookie crumbling, right? To expectations to be a little bit more competitive offense. I, I'm telling you for a fact, they did not solve the quarterback position problem. But you can't sit here and tell me that Carson Wentz is not an upgrade over Taylor Heineke. Um, there will be improved play there to get more production out of somebody like Terry McLaurin. <laughs> production, if he can stay on the field, from like Curtis Samuel. So if the defensive line can return back to somewhat of their 2020 form, they're going to compete. And again, we talked about how like Dallas is not doing anything to necessarily get any better. You know, that, that this is 
it's a winnable path for them. So I don't think they're in as a bad as bad of spot as people might indicate coming in. They have some free agents that they're going to want to smell around and and bring back. Uh, some feasible, some not so feasible. Not so feasible guard Brandon Scherf. I mean, he's one of the top guards in football, or at least he's paid like one of the top guards in football. He's going to cost a lot, and he's going to get a, a higher payday from from another team. And I think they can kiss that goodbye. And at this point, if they haven't been in those negotiations, he's going to go test free agency. Running back, J.D. McKissick. I'm sorry, dude, but please tell me who is more reliable than J.D. McKissick. Like, I just feel like this guy is Mr. Reliable. He's a beast out of the backfield in the passing game. He's always there when you need him, no matter where he's been and when that quarterback goes down. And if it's my backfield, he's the guy who I want to shoulder some of the load from a guy like Antonio Gibson. J.D. McKissick is not going to cost a ton of money to bring back. I think you have to sniff that. I know they got youth in that backfield, but he brings production, not just uh, you know youth. And again, not a hefty contract. I got two more. One is safety, Bobby McCain. 29 years old. I talked about how safety is a need. He had four picks last year. He's just a veteran presence in that defensive backfield that's got some young corners and good corners um, surrounding him. He played 93% of the defensive snaps last year. Uh, you're going to miss that continuity um, and availability from someone like Bobby McCain. And the last one is a not household name, but keep this name in mind. Defensive interior defensive lineman, Tim settle. So he's 25 years old. He's just a big, big man, height and weight who is stout against the run and actually does create a good amount of pressure up the middle um, against the quarterback. There, but the reality is, is there's just not room for him on this defensive line. Um, but you should be because you can never have enough defensive linemen and have rotational pieces. But a lot of teams are going to be reaching out to this guy. Um, I promise you, you'll hear about him in free agency and he will make an impact in 2022 for whatever team he plays on. Secret spoiler alert that you'll hear on our next show is I want the 49ers to be in on this man i think he's gonna make i think he can make it but he's just the odd man out man just the odd man out like we said but with like ryan kerrigan last year when he came to free agency just the odd man out on a really stout defensive line so cap casualties uh, some have already happened some will happen but this team is you know has some restructuring options starting with wentz other options here are like looking at like william jackson curtis samuel kendall fuller some folks that they can go to um, those are three of the four highest paid players on this team right now. That they not can a go good, to. yeah, not a good look. Then when you're the you're the, the restructuring people you're talking about right now are the people that just signed a year ago. So yep. that's not that just shows the incompetency of uh, general manager right there. In some capacity, Curtis Samuel injuries, right? So and, and again, it takes two to tango to be willing to have these conversations. Curtis Samuel's gonna be like, "How are you gonna ask me to take a pay cut when I wasn't healthy last year?" Right? Like you know what my production is my counter would be like yeah you weren't healthy last year and i still paid you <laughs> like we're gonna have to <laughs> talk about some of that um but that being said safety landon collins already happened right so that's 6.4 million dollars in savings coming back for me tackle eric flowers he's definitely improved in washington he's not the same eric flowers that was you know a new york giant but i see 10 million in cap savings and i just can't ignore that with an opportunity to potentially just get younger and cheaper at the position I think I, I have to take advantage of that. Another odd man out on that defensive front, Matt Ionidas. He's, I mean, that's $6.9 in savings right there is going to get. He's good, left. too. 
he's good, but he's just lost in that shuffle, dude. Just lost in that shuffle. Like, that's a lot of money you're going to have defensive line. Not to mention you're going to have to start extending some of these guys that were all first-round draft picks that, that play there. Safety to Shazer Everett, $2.5 in savings. I don't think this would be on the table if he wasn't going through his legal situation right now where he's, like, I mean, he's definitely be um, almost charged with vehicular manslaughter from a car crash in which his girlfriend – unfortunately passed away as a result of that car crash. So I think his legal troubles are going to make this an easier decision for the, for the commanders. And then the final one for me is punter Tress trace way 32 year old punter with a two and a two and a half million dollar savings. If you're cut post, you can't have my punter who's 30 plus making two and a half million dollars when I need that cap space um, time to bring some of that money back. Target free agents, wide receiver is a need. I think in an ideal world, you want Curtis Samuel in the slot. You want McLaurin outside. You got to go find somebody opposite to pair with him. Uh, Allen Robinson just feels like a match made in heaven to me for Carson Wentz. You know, like just somebody who plays 15 yards no deeper from the line of scrimmage. Um, that's where I think Carson Wentz kind of makes his money um, and is a little bit more comfortable. But another name that we brought up when we talked about Washington last year and made a lot of sense was Juju Smith-Schuster. Again, yes. somebody who plays closer to the line of scrimmage, a great compliment opposite of uh, McLaurin. But at the end of the day – they, they I, love I, mean, the, I, lo I love that fit there. I think that's Juju, me too. Yeah. Um, but if they don't get either of those two, again, some names that, I, I, you, know, that you might see – MVS, DJ Chark, people who are going to be on the lower echelon there help maybe stretch the field a little bit. But again, that's not really Wentz's like strength. So I I I think I'm more in love with in order A Rob than Juju. And I just think A Rob, like Washington, a possession receiver, right? Like I always use this like prototypical number one who helps you move the chains and do those things, you know, well. I, I think Allen fits the bill. Guard. So I, I mentioned losing Brandon Sheriff. I think they're plenty capable of sniffing around the Lake and Tomlinson's, Connor Williams, Jane Dan, James Daniels, Alex Kappas. I think anybody that basically, when you think of what Sheriff's going to get, he's probably going to get 16, 17, 18 million dollars a year, right? I think anybody who's in that sub 10 million dollar annual area, like those guys, <coughs> are going to be opportunities um, for for Washington to approve. Again, they're. They're not far out of this, right? Like they have an opportunity and they're bringing a lot of people back. The, the one for me that might be shocking to some people is going to be the middle linebacker position. Now, I know they love Jamon Davis. We all love Jamon Davis. I think this kid can play, but Rivera came out and said he struggled with adopting to be the true off the ball, right? Like he needs to play outside. John Bostic is a, their typical middle linebacker off the ball guy is gone in free agency. So this could be an opportunity to go target my guy, Foyside Olakun, and maybe bring him in. But what people don't actually realize yet, unless you follow the Atlanta Falcons or follow the We're Talking Football podcast, is he's going to get paid, and he's going to get paid a lot of money. He's not going to get paid Fred Warner, Darius Leonard money, but this dude is getting an upgrade in his contract that is going to price him out for some of these teams. So let's say he's off the table. Names to me that make a lot of sense, Josie Jewell, um, Jayon Brown, these are all folks that I think kind of fit what they're trying to do schematically. And then the last one, safety. A um, couple names that fit here, not your not your top echelon names, but like Jordan Whitehead, Marcus May, maybe even Devin McCourty, Kareem Jackson. With Collins gone, Everett gone, 
they need players immediately at safety. And these are all guys who I think, you know, even when I look at McCordy and Kareem Jackson, who are a little later in their career, they'll, they'll make an impact. Whitehead, Marcus May, they, they definitely still have some tread on the tires. I think you you, you got to bring one of these guys in. And yeah. that's it for the, the Washington Commanders. Yeah, it's interesting you were talking about the linebacker position. That's definitely a position they want to upgrade because they were using, of necessity, Landon Collins as a linebacker last year. And he, yep. he was not happy about it, but he, he did it. Uh, so they definitely, so landing cons, I feel like they're going to, you know, after the departure from him, they probably going to look for something similar in that, uh, that mold, uh, a, a strong set, a strong, uh, safety, uh, that can also be a dime linebacker. Come into the box and, yep. and bang it, bang it around. All right. Looking at the clock, let's dive right into the AFC East. Lou, I'll let you do the honors again and lead it off. I have you leading with Buffalo. Is that? Listen, I, I can I can uh, I can audible. Okay. Right. Let me uh, lead let me whoever you're gonna lead with. I don't care. No, no, that's all right. Let, let me Omaha, Omaha, Omaha. Okay. All right. <clears throat> Actually, you know what? I'm I'm checking back to the original play. I just saw. Can 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 yeah, can yeah, can exactly. All right. So I'm actually gonna be tackling the New York Jets. Uh, they have about forty eight forty eight million dollars in cash space, ranks them top four in the league, and Jeff fans should be happy. But you need to temper your expectations because. Still How rebuilding. I, well, it's not only just a Steve still rebuilding. It's when you're not a good team and don't show a lot of promise, it's hard to attract free agency. That's why bad teams, you really have to hit it on the, on the draft for cheaper talent to then attract that, that provide that do well in the season to then attract the free agents. Uh, so they do have $48 million in cash space. Like I said, they're top four in the league. Their top needs tight end. I, I can't remember the last time the Jets had a decent tight end, and I'm not saying Kyle Brady. So you stop that malarkey right there. Uh, right guard, wide receiver, edge, cornerback, safety, and once again, uh, ever since Revis has left, I can't mention. I can't think of another cornerback uh, that's been there that's been adequate, you know, or just mediocre to that fact. So um, <clears throat> those are all the top need positions for the New York Football Jets. Priority uh, free agents, Jameson Crowder, 28-year-old wide receiver. He's good when he's healthy, and I just think they look to part ways with him because even though he does play well, he's seldom on the field. And I do think uh, the other free agent wide receiver they have, Braxton Barrios, is where they're going to try to focus most of their attention, 26-year-old wide receiver. There's been uh, talks about they are interested in bringing him back. Uh, He's flashed last year, made some big plays last year. And they're hoping to bank on they're going to pay him for what he's going to do as opposed to what he has done. Uh, Morgan Moses, uh, 31-year-old right tackle. I like Morgan Moses. He's solid. Uh, He only had three penalties last year, four sacks, pro football focus grade of 71. He's just just a solid right tackle. But I think they're looking to really improve upon the trenches. It could be the draft or free agency. But I think he's uh, out as well. And last but not least, Laurent uh, Duvernay-Tardif. Uh, hearing from so, so a lot of Jeff fans, they actually do want him back. They feel like uh, he didn't play so bad last year, albeit it was very limited, but they do want to see what he can bring to that offensive line. And don't forget Joe Douglas, their GM, does build through more of a traditional. He focused on the offensive line. So they have Becton, they have the kid from USC playing left guard, so they could be looking to bring back Laurent. Uh, Laurent. So some possible cap casualties. I think don't look too far here. They need to add talent, not take away. And we, I made the comment about, hey, uh, why bring back bad talent? But some of the players here are not so bad. <laughs> uh, 
not really a vote of confidence uh, if I'm a Jeff fan listening to this. Uh, George Fant, 29-year-old uh, swing tackle. Uh, I think he's, he's fine. I think you probably try to keep him, but he could be they're looking to upgrade in the trenches. Uh, they can save $10 million and only incur a $1 million dead money hit. So that's something intriguing for the New York Jets. Connor McGovern, 29-year-old center. Uh, he's He's been decent. He had a 75.9 pro football focus grade last year. However, there are a couple centers out there that are significantly better. We talked about the Bradley Bozemans. We talked about the Ryan Jensen's. They might be looking to really fortify the offensive line uh, for Zach Wilson. So they do look to part with Connor McGovern. Uh, it's a dead money hit of $1.3 million, cap savings of $9 million. Justin Hardy, 28-year-old 20, uh, cornerback, not going to lie, I had to look this guy up. I don't know anything about him, and that's saying a lot because you were talking about Tim Settle before, and like you're not going to know him. He went to Virginia Tech. So like I, I'm, I feel like I'm, my nods when it comes to where players come. I don't know anything about Justin Hardy. They can save $2 million off of this guy. Uh, Ryan Griffin, 32-year-old uh, journeyman tight end. Uh, last year at 27 receptions, 261 yards, two touchdowns. I think you can get way better production from almost anyone there. So they can save $3 million there uh, as well. So we're talking about the whole ethical for free agent targets, right? We're talking about adding talent and talent. But they're going to have to be strategic about it because they're you don't want to get into the, the business of overpaying players just to come here and be have to pay a premium on them because you're the New York Jets and you're not good right now. So you have to really be strategic about where you spend your money. And two things they have to accomplish here. First, they got to fix that offense and offensive line. They can't do to Zach Wilson what they did to Darnold. They can't have Darnold 2.0 on their hands. They have to really fix that offense and more weapons and more protection. They can't have Darnold 2.0 uh, with this regime. And they have to continue that transformation on the defensive side for Robert Sala to fit the mold of what he's really looking for uh, in that 4-3, cover-3 uh, uh, scheme that he runs. So they have to continue making that transformation there. So let's look at the edge position, which is always important in a cover-3 scheme. Uh, they're looking for a complementary pass rusher opposite of Lawson. So Jadavid on Clowney makes sense because he usually chases the bag. So maybe he's just like, I just want to be the high, you know, just whoever's going to give me the most money. Maybe Jadavid on Clowney. You talked about Hassan Reddick. That would be a good fit too. But I really think the guy that they're going to uh, bring in via Chenna Nuoso uh, to play that Leo position. He's had success and he's played on our Gus Bradley defense. Gus, what does Gus Bradley do? He plays cover three. So he has success and familiarity with that type of scheme. So Chenin Wilson could be the Leo opposite to uh, Lawson out there in, in uh, New York. Cornerback positions. We've mentioned his name before. Carlton Davis. He's better than man, but they need to add some influx of talent uh, uh, at the cornerback position. Maybe a Casey Hayward, familiar with the cover three scheme. Steven Nelson, who's pretty good at zone. Dante Jackson, we talked about him before in our last show, that he's explosive, fast, and good at zone. Those are all names I feel like that uh, would – "Quote unquote," settle to come to the Jets because they're looking to continue their career or get paid a little more, and they might be able to get uh, more than their fair market value out there in New York. Safety position. They don't have that safety that's imperative in a cover three scheme. That that center field, uh, you know, that center fielder playmaker. Who who's that center field playmaker? Marcus Williams. He's looking to get paid. Uh, you know, they could make him one, perhaps one of the you know, highest paid safety. So I think that's an intriguing fit. 
Anthony Harris too. Once again, if they can't, if they swing and miss on Marcus Williams because they can't attract him, Anthony Harris uh, also fits that mold. Last but not least, Quandre Diggs. Uh, he's really good too, but I, I think it'd be hard to attract him. I think he wants to go somewhere to win. <clears throat> now guards. All right, this is where Robert Sala kind of does. You know, your San Francisco 49ers a little dirty. I think Lakin Tomlinson is a perfect fit for what they're trying to do out there. Uh, you know, with the New York Jets. I think he poaches from his old stomping grounds. Just makes too much sense. Once again, you are fortifying that offensive line. You got Becton, Vera Tucker, now Lake and Tomlinson. That's a pretty good starting point when it comes to your offensive line. Then you hit the draft. Tight end. Like I said, I can't remember the last time they had a tight end. They need a, they need a safety valve, and they need more athleticism. And there's three names that come to my mind. Gerald Everett, Evan Ingram, and O.J. Howard. Those are some guys that they're not great, but they're good. Even if they get mediocre at the tight position, it's going to provide so it's much. Additional, it's going to be it's going to be so much more noticeable. Just mediocrity at the tight end position for the Jets will be, like I said, uh, just provide so much additional value. Yeah. Um, tempered expectations. That's all I'll add. Right. It's just still like, hey, you're in year two of this thing. Um, <laughs> You hit the nail right on the head, right? Like players have to want to go there too. And and when you look at some of the top names on this list, like some are going to want to get the bag. Others want to go win, right? And I don't think the Jets present that opportunity in this division just yet on the winning side of things. But still excited. I mean, like they still got draft capital. They still have things going on, right? Like they – this thing's going in the right direction for the first time like in a long time it, it feels like. But it's still, it's still going to take time and they – they have a while to go until they can compete with Buffalo, um, even other teams in this division. And that's priority number one. Be the best team in your division first, and that's what they're slowly building towards. What right. they're probably trying to accomplish is what the Giants will probably try and accomplish this year. Be competitive. That's it. A lot, of their, a lot of their games were not competitive last year. Yeah, exactly, right? Like, just compete. Just compete. Show me that I have the right mentality on this field because otherwise you're chasing the players, you're chasing the players, and the scheme never gets right. Um, and the regime never gets right because you don't even have the right mentality on that field in yep. some capacity. All right, so I'm going to lead in with the Miami Dolphins. They also have $48 million in cap space. I don't really know how to feel about Miami right now. Like, I do, I disagree entirely with the firing of Brian Flores. I think owner Steven Ross is just a complete hot mess and should be banned from the league. But what I do love is I love the signing of Mike McDaniels as their head coach. Dolphin fans, you're going to love this guy. He's a real quirky personality. But this is a Yale guy, a student of the game, insanely intelligent, and players are going to want to go play for this guy. Like, I promise you that. And, hey, good news. You got a lot of cap space, and you're in South Beach, right? Like, you're a desirable place to actually go for some of these players. And no state income tax in the state of Florida. So, bingo, bango, you got a lot of things in your favor. Needs, you got a lot of them, though. And there are a lot of them are on the offensive side of the ball. So offensive line, wide receiver, running back, quarterback. Yes, I said it. Common theme here, the offense needs playmakers and an identity. The defense is top-notch to me, um, but the offense doesn't do them any favors, right? I think the defense could be even better if the offense can move the ball um, a little bit more consistently. But it would still be very prudent of this team to add a depth piece or two, specifically edge defenders. So they have 33 total fr uh, free agents. Priority number one, they handled. They franchise tagged Mike Gusecki. Uh, here's something that's actually pretty – and they're franchising, obviously, with the the intention of trying to extend him to a long-term deal as well would be my expectation. 
They only had three free agents out of those 33 who who played more than 60% of the snaps on either the offensive or defensive side of the ball. That's actually kind of impressive, right? So that means their highest contributors in any capacity are under contract right now. One of those players was Mike Gusecki. The other is their backup tight end, Durham Smythe, who I don't foresee them bringing back, although McDaniels does like to run two tight end sets, um, especially when he wants to because he's a run game guy, right? So he's going to try to establish that that run game for them. And then the final of those three, we're going to discuss right out of the gate here as a priority free agent. Edge, Emmanuel Agba, have to bring this man back. Have to bring this man back. It won't be cheap. You have the money to do it. You want to keep this defense stacked while you can so you're not worrying about the defensive side of the ball and you can focus your efforts on the offensive side of the ball. But Agba had nine sacks last year. Also, something crazy, he batted down 12 passes. First player to do that in the last four years at the in, in the NFL. I found that to be, like, fascinating. Um, yeah, I read something about him. I'm not sure it was about him or the Dolphins. I don't think he's coming back. I don't think he wants to come back, or I don't think they want him back. Either or, I don't know what it is. But I read some. I don't think he's, he's retained out there in Miami. It, I think it's highly unlikely, too. Um, but I also think that Miami needs to, like, scratch and claw. If I'm hearing that they don't want him back, he better, like, there better be damn good reasoning behind that because he was highly productive for the last two years in that defense. The other one's going to be funny because I was just bashing this individual, and I don't think he's the right fit there, but Will Fuller. He only played two games last year, and this is more about depth, and this is more about like, hey, dude, you don't stay on the field. I can't pay you top dollar. Nobody's going to give you top dollar. Might as well stay here, hang out in South Beach um, because they just need depth at wide receiver. They don't have anybody. But So, again, you bring it back on the cheap, it is what it is. And a one for me, I think I only have three right here that they should even look at, is backup quarterback Jacoby Brissett. This team absolutely needs quality depth behind Tua. You know how I feel about Tua. but they And they won't be in play for a big-name quarterback this offseason because I do think Mike McDaniels thinks he can scheme an offense up – or, excuse me, Mike McDaniel, I hate when people add the S um, – can scheme an offense up around Tua. Like, think what he just came from. Like Jimmy, I think they have similar limitations in their skill sets, right? Like pushing the ball downfield, doing those things, um, ways to to get creative and at least see what he has this year. But I, I think durability is a concern for Tua as well. Takes a beating with that offensive line, so I, I think they need to have somebody competent uh, to 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 back him up. A team is only as good as their backup quarterback. Always remember that. Cap casualties. So there's going to be opportunity to restructure their top two corners and Xavier Howard and, and Byron Jones. You you want to keep, keep Howard. I, I, think How they I think he's their best player on their entire team. It's Howard's not going to restructure. He, want, he wants a pay increase. He ain't going to restructure his contract again. You can increase his pay. You just restructure want, contracts he, or you extend them. He, no, he, wants, he wants a new deal. <laughs> Yeah, so extend them, right? Like, there's ways to do that, right? Like, again, we all talk about how the cap is fictitious. Like, you convert a shit ton of this to sign. You extend him. You convert to a signing bonus. You can spread that across the cap over the years that you have him on contract for. There's ways to get cute and still get the player what he wants. But that's an area that they should prudently scratch the surface on, even though it's not a necessity this year, given the cap space that they have. So cap casualties. Wide receiver Devontae Parker. I'm over this dude. Time to go. He's 6.1 million savings post June 1. He's had one impact season in his entire career. I just don't longer think he fits what this team wants. Like, 
especially when McDaniel gets in there and gets control of this offense, he doesn't fit what they want to do. Uh, another one's wide receiver Alan Hearns, $2.4 million savings. A safety, Clayton, I can't even pronounce his last name. He's 2.7. Edge rusher. <laughs> Is it Bigsby? Andrew, Clayton Bigsby? <laughs> yeah, Clayton Bigsby. Edge, Andrew Van Ginkle, $2.5 million. Uh, you, can't get, you can't get rid of Ginkle. Yeah, he, you, he, he's a play flashes, man. All right, man. Listen, new regime, dude. New, And you're going to go find savings. So t- target free agents. New head coach, ton of cap space. I think it's this is a great opportunity for Miami to be aggressive in free agency. For any of these teams in the AFC East, if you want to threaten the Buffalo Bills at any point over the next few years, you have to get aggressive and explosive on offense, period, point blank, if you want to win this division. But I also do think with a new head coach, like, they're going to begin to reshape this identity offense like via the draft, but we don't talk about the draft here just yet at We're Talking Football Podcast. Wide receiver, priority number one. Given Tua's limitations with the deep ball, I think a priority for them should be Juju Smith-Schuster, again, who makes a living crossing the field and playing close to the line of scrimmage, making the contested catches, not a deep threat guy, but a playmaker with the ball in his hands. I think he'd be a tremendous compliment to Jalen Waddle because those are things that he do does well. So you're retooling this offense, right? Think, think Yak. Think Mike McDaniel coming from the San Francisco regime. Think Yak. Think Debo. Think Brandon Ayuk. You get the you get the ball quickly to these guys. They make plays with the ball in their hand um, after the catch. If I had more confidence in Tua's ability, I'd say, hey, maybe somebody like DJ Chark or, or Christian yeah. Kirk were in play. But I don't have the confidence, and I think that's a waste of time, to be honest with you. But Every team wants to have a deep threat because they hope their quarterback can do it. So don't be surprised bringing one or multiple of these individuals in to be part of this uh, this team. Edge, I mentioned it be prudent. I also mentioned they had a lot of money. If Abba's gone, hey, I'm, make, I'm making a call to Chandler Jones. Mike McDaniel knows him well. Saw him two years for many years out in Arizona. Opportunity, I'm making that call. Or even Hassan Reddick wants to get paid. You can pay him. If, yeah. if these guys price themselves out, Steal Jerry Hughes from a division rival. Maybe we talked about Randy Gregory before, who kind of resurrected his career a little bit and kind of removed that bus label. But I don't, I'm honestly not sure if Gregory is like a true fit in, in this scheme. But again, interesting names that you can target. Running back. Running back is an area of need. I know Miles Gaskins can play. But again, I tie this back to the head coach, new regime, new thought process. Mike McDaniel has grown up in the NFL under the Shanahan arm and umbrella where it's multiple backs make a scheme go. The name that you look for here, and it pains me to say it, is Raheem Mostert. He would add another gear to this offense, right? If, if they are in the market in free agency, Heem is the guy that they will push for and probably even be willing to overpay for because they have the cap. I mean, Lou, Lou, tell me a running back in the league that hits a hole faster than this man. Or when he gets through that hole, what he is able to do after the fact. Is he the most skilled? No. But if you create a lane for this guy, he is ghost. 80 yards to the house and looking behind you, he's one of the fastest men in the NFL. Now, people don't like him because he runs upright. People don't like him because he gets hurt. But when he, you're not asking him to shoulder the load. You're asking him to be a compliment to Gaskins, and I think he is literally the perfect compliment. To, and to go to a coach that believes in him um, and has been around him. 
it would fit their formula, the uh, the Dolphins, to pay a free agent running back. <laughs> I mean, it sure would. If, if you if you want to have a loser formula, that's definitely up there. You never but, pay a free agent. But Heem's not getting six, seven, eight million dollars a year. You know what I mean? Like I'm yeah. talking like two and a half million. Like it's it's so you're not you're it's not going to look as ugly on paper as some of those other those other guys will. And then the offensive line. So they should be making plays on everyone. I wouldn't be surprised to see them make a big play for Brandon Scherf in this particular instance. Again, you look at teams that have the cap. You look at somebody who wants to get paid. But their familiarity with Lakin Tomlinson um, coming from, from San Francisco as well. Connor Williams. Lyle, Lyle Collins. Yeah, Lyle, Lyle right, Collins. Yep. Right, ta- right tackle to his backside. Yep. That, that's the other thing people forget, right? Like, is you have to scheme the offensive line a little bit differently to protect that that blind. Teron Armstead. Teron Armstead. Teron Armstead. Um, they got the money, dude. They even take a a, a deep veteran gamble with somebody like Eric Fisher, right? Like yeah. any of these names are upgrades over who they got um, right now. It is really what it it boils down to. So, I think. Miami's in a unique scenario, and then we'll get into to Buffalo here because we got to keep this moving. But I think they're in a unique scenario because they already have one side of the ball pretty, pretty well established. They can focus a lot of their offseason efforts via draft and free agency to build an identity on offense that fits the identity of the new head coach that they they brought in. And they have an immediate opportunity to compete. What's going to hold them back? You already know what I'm going to say. It's the quarterback. It's that simple. Buffalo Bills, let's go. We'll see. All right, so no one circles the wagon like the Buffalo Bills. All right, here we go. <laughs> Looking at this roster, the GM of the Buffalo – is it Brandon Bean? He, Bean, he, yeah, yeah. He has done a phenomenal job of really building this roster, even from a depth standpoint. So uh, a lot of these things I'm going to say right now, there's not – it's going to be – you don't have to address them because – he's done a great job of already addressing them before they were, became issues. So cap space, less than a million bucks though, $855,000 They're ranked 22nd in the NFL uh, with that cap space. Top needs wide receiver, uh, Emmanuel Sanders, the free agent. I don't think they bring him back. Uh, they're looking at possibly losing uh, Beasley, Cole Beasley. There's been rumblings. They, they listen, if it comes on the media and you're t- and that you hear like a team's looking saying that, yeah, you can look for your own trade. You can look for a trade. Guess what? That means is if they can't get anything of value for you, you're going to get cut. There's no see way you, you can. Br- yep. It's like telling your wife that, like, you know, what? I think I might want to see other people, but let me sleep on it. Yeah. I mean, that means you're gonna. It's, it's you're done. Your marriage yeah. is done. So uh, they're going to be losing both uh, Emmanuel Sanders and also Cole Beasley. They also need help in the trenches, the left guard position, right tackle position, Dev- uh, running back position too. I know they have Devin Singletary, but. Zach Moss is not the guy we thought he was going to be, and you can't just rely on Singletary, who's a little undersized to shoulder like you know traditional workload there. And the cornerback position, they need someone opposite of uh, Tre'Davious White. So the priority free agents, I already said Emmanuel Sanders. I look for him to be uh, to go. They have a couple of interior defensive linemen in Vernon Butler and Harrison Phillips. I don't think they bring them back because of the depth they already have there. You discussed about a Jerry Hughes, they're uh, you know an aging edge rusher. I don't. I think they finally turned the page because of what they did in the draft uh, last year, getting uh, Gregory Rousseau and uh, Boogie Basham at the defense uh, edge position. So they look, they will look to perhaps uh, let Jerry Hughes test free agency, Mario Addison test free agency too, because they're both 
aging uh, edge players, and they have uh, people behind them. This is what a good GM does. He anticipates needs before they become needs. Uh, and last but not least, Levy Walls, 26-year-old cornerback. This is someone I do think they have to bring up because I feel like he stepped up pretty pretty well when White was out last year. So Levy Walls, I feel like they that's the one that they probably end up re-signing. Some passable cap, cap casualties. I keep on lauding this Buffalo Bills um, roster because it's so efficient. Efficiently built. That uh, that you know. That being said, I don't think there's much trim. There's much fat to trim here. I think they're looking at restructuring deals such as Diggs or Tre'Davious White or Josh Allen. But um, if you had to cut some people, they already cut John Feliciano. They saved three point three million dollars there. Cole Beasley. I said he's probably plays last days out in Buffalo. They'll save six point one million there. Only incur a one point five million dollar dead money hit. Darrell Williams. Uh, I think you can get better and younger there. Uh, dead money hit 1.8 million. Cap savings is 8.1 million. So I think that's why he looks he becomes expendable out there in uh, Buffalo. Some free agent targets. Uh, once again, they don't have much cap space, but I do feel like they're looking what's going on in the AFC West, and they're looking perhaps at other teams. You know the all right. So the New England Patriots not as dead as we thought. Now, now you got the Dolphins with the resurgence of prophecy. They finally finding a real head coach there. Well, not a real head coach. Flores was good, but like they're starting to feel a little heat. So maybe they do get a little desperate. So at the edge position, Albert Breer stated that two upper echelon defensive free agents have approached Buffalo this offseason to inquire about joining them. Now that's kind of crazy because usually it's not the free agent going to the team; it's the other way around. So this is just a shot in the dark. Don't think it'll happen, but. I can picture one of them being Chandler Jones, and the reason being it makes sense. They're losing two aging pass rushers. They probably want to uh, pair Jones up with uh, Gregory Rousseau and Boogie Basham. And I and I also think, don't forget, where, where did Jones go to college? Syracuse? How close is that to Buffalo? Close. So I'm, this is just me uh, being like a detective. From Rochester, New York, too. Do you see what I'm saying? I don't think it's going to happen, but like I think that's one of the uh, – I think maybe Jones reached out to him. It just makes so much sense. If you do all that work, it just makes sense. Cornerback position. I feel like they're probably going to kick the tires on some cheaper zone cornerbacks to pair with White, especially if they lose uh, Wallace, Xavier Rhodes, Desmond King, Mike Hughes, Kyle Fuller. No one crazy, but just you need you need someone out there that's not a total schlub, all right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Offensive line. They already cut ties with, like I said, John Feliciano, and they can possibly start to – uh, lose uh, Daryl Williams as well. So they need to upgrade it at the right tackle position. So bolstering the offensive line is quietly becoming a priority for the Bills. So here are some players I'm going to be mentioning that are not going to break the bank, but they showed flashes last year. Joseph Noteboom, offensive tackle. Uh, he had to provide some emergency stability behind Andrew Whitworth in Los Angeles. I think he's an intriguing name to watch for. Dennis Kelly, offensive tackle at the Packers. He also fits that mold. Or if they want to get someone a little more established, why not Riley Reef? He provides flexibility from an uh, interior or uh, a tackle position. And, and last but not least, Odea Boucher, uh, Mark Lewinsky, and Trey Turner are all people that props can come in and uh, help out, be upgrades over John Feliciano. Yeah. Uh, I do have a couple more real quick. Wide receivers, uh, like I said, Beasley's days are over, so – I feel like they're looking for a complimentary, uh, a complimentary wide receiver. Russell Gage just makes too much sense out there out in Buffalo. So I feel like that's a great opportunity for Gage to uh, join explosive offense, and he provides another uh, you know, a target out there for Josh Allen. And this is what I don't understand because they already have Dawson Knox. 
but they've been kicking the tires on the tight end market. They've been sniffing around uh, um, what's his name, uh, Gronkowski, and now there's also talks to them using Evan Ingram as a big slot wide receiver. So it seems like they want to improve the tight end position. Maybe they're running more two tight end sets. Maybe they're trying to help you know running the ball, what have you, or maybe they're just trying to change the philosophy now that Dabble's not there anymore. Yeah. The- a lot of these teams are adopting that two tight end set, dude, because mm-hmm. you can mask so much more, right? Like the old NFL would say, oh, they got two tight ends in. They're they're going heavy up front. They're running the football. But if you could throw the football out of that formation, and what is Buffalo, what have they struggled to do outside of the quarterback position? Run the football, right? Like, so it just it's just a different look. It's something different to to prepare for. And if you look at a lot of the teams that do run the ball very, very well, they run two tight end sets. And coincidentally, they're also the ones that are very formidable in the play action pass. And that's how you keep Josh Allen uh, around for a little bit longer to live up to that $250 million contract. But they need to maximize this. Like this needs to be the year for Buffalo because next year, I think, Allen's cap hit right now is like 16 million. And I know they can restructure and do all that, but next year it's like 40 something million. Right. So like things change very quickly, but uh, Brandon Bean's a genius. Like he'll figure all that out. I'm not worried about it, but I am interested to see how Ken Dorsey uh, adapts to that offensive coordinator position outside of, of Dable. That'll be, that'll be interesting, but good news. Buffalo bills. You're going to win the AFC East again. So nothing to worry about. <laughs> all right, let's get into the New England Patriots. move through this uh, quickly. So they have 13.4 million in cap space. Uh, they did make the playoffs in 2021, which I think surprised a lot of people, but they went, he- but they did go heavy in free agency last year, which was very mm-hmm. unlike Bill Belichick and, and his philosophy with like Hunter Henry, Matthew Judon, Kendrick Bourne. I can Davin Gadja, uh, I can just keep going down the list, but they all made significant contributions, right? So like those free agents did for the most part pan out for them. Uh, but the biggest surprise for me was what moving on from like Cam Newton, not that part, but rolling with rookie Mac Jones and still finding the playoffs. You know, Mac did come back to to reality, but unfortunately for Patriots and, and Patriots fans, they met Buffalo in the wild card and got smacked around um, where the Bills literally put together like a near perfect performance offensively and set like NFL records uh, for possessions and scores and yada, yada, yada. Um, but I do think New England's in a place to compete as is needs. Linebacker, offensive line, defensive back, wide receiver. They only have 21 total free agents. That's like <laughs> surprisingly low. Like the norm is like 30, right? Like from season to season. Um, there are a couple of big names here that I think they need to prioritize. Unfortunately, the biggest name in free agency will not be coming back to New England. So let's start there. Cornerback JC Jackson, he is gone. I'm sorry, New England fans, but homeboy is going to get paid this off season and real, new england real is quick not gonna... where do you think he goes real quick i'm not even going to speculate dude i know what you want me to say i no, know no, what you're I, dreaming on no, I, I think I, he ends I, up in oakland i think oakland's going to be the team that's going to be able to bid oh, well, want to bid and to buy this uh, excuse I, me las vegas las i was vegas. gonna say i agree with you and disagree with you yeah. uh agree with you he plays for the raiders but yeah, if he's in oakland that means he's already playing that position <laughs> <laughs> He shows up, they put him in center field for the A's. Like, what's going on here? Hey, he'll be with Kyler Murray at least. Yeah, that's true, too. <laughs> you got J.C. Jackson playing center field, Kyler Murray playing shortstop for the Oakland A's. Um, wide receiver Jacoby Myers. This is a must-bring back for them. He's their, their leading receiver, and he's not going to command a, a ton of money based on um, his game, but they need to bring him back. Another one for me is – uh, they're going to go through a, a rebrand here on the defense side of the ball, so I think some continuity and better leadership is important. Safety, Devin McCourty. I know he's older. 
but he's been a staple of the team for a long time. As I just mentioned, a veteran leader, and he can still play football. Uh, the other one's linebacker uh, Dante Hightower. I don't think they bring him back, but this is a big loss for them more from like the face of the franchise. Type. I mean, he's been there for, what, 10 years? Um, he's gone, but I think this one's the – it's tough for fans to swallow like when you're just like, ah, this really is a, a changing of the guard um, on that side of, of the ball. New England never had – the fans – let's not feel sorry for their fans or talk about what yeah, it's tough mean, for them to 20 swallow. years of just yeah, know, upper echelon get, competition. I don't got time for that. Other ones, right tackle Trent Brown. I mean, he's made his his best years have been in New England. They have gotten the best for him. He's gone and got paid elsewhere and then finds his way back. Uh, but he seems to thrive in New England nowhere else, right? So I think that's going to be a, a big loss. Not to mention the man is 6'8", 400 pounds. Like, he's just a massive human being. Cap casualties. There's honestly not a name on this list that just screams $5 million plus in savings. So you got to like really dig again. New England is is also of that mold of Buffalo. They are very prudent in their contracts, and they are big believers in getting rid of people a year early uh, versus a year late and carrying those significant contracts. But what jumps out at me is edge thirty one year old Henry Han- Anderson. That's two and a half million. Wide receiver Nikhil Harry, uh, Bus City one point two million. He's got to go. The, the, maybe the shocking one might be, I don't think I would do this. I doubt they do this, but the contract says they can and might is defensive tackle Lawrence Guy. That's two and a half million. Um, we're talking about the changing of the guard. He's definitely getting a little long in the tooth. Might be time to, to proceed. Some target free agents. I don't think New England's not doing what they did last year in terms of going out and spending the way that they did. Um, but I think there are a few names that they can pluck that would be upgrades and, and kind of change the – the tide a little bit. One that stands out to me at the cornerback position, which they're going to need to improve, is Rasul Douglas. We talked about how how well he played last season. We also mentioned that J.C. Jackson is gone. Um, there's a couple other names that they might target that won't cost them a ton and would be upgrades over what they have, like maybe a Desmond King, potentially even a Jason Verrett, you know, like on a, a single uh, one-year contract, so those sort of things. But I, I feel like Rasul's the name that stands out to me at that position linebacker you're going to love the common theme here just the new england patriots plucking former packers i think devondre campbell fits perfectly with what they want to do on this defense i think that's the realistic if i was stretch goaling it here names like bobby wagner anthony barr they need to improve off the ball those are stretches but i think devondre campbell literally just i already can see him in a new england helmet like he just feels like he belongs on this team perfect fit Offensive lineman, you mentioned this gentleman before. Another guy who just feels like a New England Patriot type player, and you steal him from an individual uh, in division rival, Morgan Moses. You know, getting a little maybe a, a little bit of an upgrade over uh, there at potentially right tackle. He just feels like fit in New England, and just feels like the type of player, right? Like that fits the fits the the culture in New England. I think that's what they always do is find culture guys. And then the final piece for me, and then we'll get out of here. Wide receiver. I have one name on this list, and it's Allen Robinson. I just he tell like he he is what Mac Jones needs right now. Again, I say that prototypical number one wide receiver, but when I say that, I mean a possession wide receiver that can move the chains on third down, who plays within seventeen yards of the line of scrimmage really well, runs good routes like. 
Allen, like if they're going to overspend at any position, this might be the one. And I think this might be the guy that they, they would be all in. I didn't even, I didn't even bother listing out another name. Cause I feel like it's Allen Robinson or, or bus for new England in the free agent market um, for the wide receiver. So that's what I have. I mean, new England's going to compete. It's going to be Buffalo and new England at the top of this division. Um, I think Miami, Miami is a, a year or two away because they're rebuilding that offense. So they better hope that defense can hold on, but that's it, man. That so that wraps us up for the the NFC and AFC East. This is a busy week for us. That we're talking football. Just a few days ago, we were covering the NFC and AFC North. Monday night, we're going to be doing the NFC and AFC West. Stay tuned. We have a surprise guest. You'll hear a little bit more about that. Uh, but Lou, as always, a pleasure. Love wrapping it up with you. Tell us, tell us where they can where tell the audience where they can find us. You can find us on Instagram and Twitter at WTF Pod NFL and Weston. Where can they uh, watch these beautiful videos of ours? When you want to see these pretty faces, go ahead, log into YouTube. We're talking football real nice and easy. Hit that like, hit that subscribe, and sign up for those notifications so you know when these videos go live. Lou, until Monday evening, my friend. I'll see you soon.